Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am the tech editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as always, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. What's shaking, bacon? All right, then. I think we, uh, we're going to get into some games today. Yeah, we're going to start off with a little listener mail. This listener mail, I didn't, I didn't mean to go all Casey Kasem there. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. This listener mail comes from Mikey, who says... I'm getting the new PSP Go, and I want to know more about it. Sent from my AT&T iPhone. Mikey sent this, by the way, back in October, which probably means that he's had the PSP Go for a while now. So I apologize, Mikey, but I figure other people want to know about the PSP Go. So we thought we'd talk about the PSP system in general and then work our way to the Go. Yes, the the PlayStation Portable, or PSP, is a the... Newest venture from Sony in the, um, well, I mean, the line itself is newest venture from Sony in the, the, uh, portable gaming market. Now there have been many, 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 many portable games over the, uh, 
over the years, dating yes. back to the 1980s. Yes. Electronic games, I should say. I was about to say, say portable. I, you know, I was about to say, hey, baseball's pretty portable. I yeah, mean, yeah, you I need know, the field and all, but no. No, yeah. I, I, I remember somewhat fondly the days of the Mattel electronic football with the little blinking. Oh, the little, LED like, lights. yes, that red light is my quarterback and it's throwing this other blinking red light to this <laughs> other red light, which is my, who catches the ball from the quarterback? I'm um, no good with sports. Uh, you could just say receiver. Receiver. That would work. Yeah, several different people might. They were them. all just blinking lights to me. So, see, that's the problem is that everything I know about football, I learned from those really primitive handheld games. They don't um, look anything like that in person. Yeah, I was very disappointed when I went to my first football game and the music wasn't done in these tiny little blips and bleeps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was, actually, I was, I was quite scared and ended up hiding under the bleachers for most of the game. Yeah, no, no two bit sounds there. No, it was, it was, overwhelming and yeah. frightening. But that's uh that's that's there. talking about the early early days of, of portable gaming and of course for a really long time mm-hmm. one particular name dominated in portable gaming actually in a way they're still dominating. But um that name would be Nintendo. Yes. Now they weren't the very first though. I oh, mean there were other not. people no, who no, tried no. their hand at, at you know making being the next electronic gaming giant. But the Nintendo Game Boy managed to catch on with gamers in a way that no other portable gaming system had at that point. And mm-hmm. one could argue since even. Um, there have been a lot of other portable gaming systems that have been out there, some from manufacturers like Atari mm-hmm. and, uh, and Sega. others. Sega. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and some of them had stats that uh, and specifications that were very impressive when stacked up against the Nintendo Game Boy. It was just amazing. You, you'd look at the difference and think, wow, uh, this is almost as dramatic a, a leap as the NES was over the old Atari 2600. Mm-hmm. But uh, it turned out that the Game Boy games, uh, the library was so huge and the games were, were really well designed. Nintendo had a very, very strict policy when it came to um, uh, uh, allowing games onto the system, that uh, uh, most of these systems, even though they were technically more uh, uh, impressive than the Game Boy, just didn't catch on. Right. So when Sony got into the game, it wasn't a, a sure thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't a done deal. Well, yeah, I mean, many many uh, companies had taken on uh, Nintendo and tried to dethrone them because they had a pretty strong hold on the market from the early 1990s. Yeah. And uh, Sony has been the only one who's been able to hold on as long as it has, although it's still, you know, running a distant second, I would yeah. say, or at least second place, maybe not distant second. but Right, right. And, and, and I'm sure there are a lot of people that own both. And again, we're talking about a system that can do a whole lot more than just play games, which when you think about that and you think about how relatively limited the Nintendo system is in comparison – it's amazing still that uh, that Nintendo's system is still dominant in that market. However, uh, Sony has fared better, better than some of the predecessors. And uh, as Chris was saying, the PSP is still alive and well. Mm-hmm. And it has a, its share of very vocal, very passionate fans. Uh, it's a good system. I mean, uh, it's it's really really an impressive one. Uh, the first, if you have never used a, a handheld gaming system, um, and or or if your only experience was with like an old Game Boy or even a Game Boy Advance, mm-hmm. I think you'd be really surprised to see how the PSP performs because it 
is essentially as powerful as a PlayStation 2. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you've got in a little portable framework. That's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, uh, it has a better resolution than the, uh, than the uh, Nintendo DS. Yeah. Which of so. course is the, the, you know, the, the, the current, current flagship on the Nintendo portable gaming front. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's got a number of, of other specifications that, uh, really have helped it cement its place as an entertainment device because, um, it's got a 16 by 9 resolution, which is the widescreen format. Right. As opposed right. to the 4 by 3. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the, the first, uh, few iterations of the PlayStation Portable, uh, offered the opportunity to use UMDs. Uh, yes, universal media discs, uh, which you can watch. I mean, you can watch movies on it. It's not quite as good as DVD as far as, uh, you know, the resolution, but it is very close. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, you can, you can listen to music on it. You can watch movies on it. Of course, the, uh, the Nintendo machine has caught up in some regards, but you're still not watching, you know, you're still not going to the, the video store and picking up a movie to watch on your DS. Well, and Although you, could, you can listen to music and you, do some other You could also on. download content uh, from a computer onto a memory stick and transfer that to your um, PSP, uh, which had the capability of having memory sticks. Uh, I, I want to point out one thing really quickly, uh, just something that tends to bug me. Sure. So UMDs yes. stands for Universal Media Disk. Uh-huh. What else do UMDs run on besides the PSP? Uh, that would be nothing. So what is universal about them? Well, you can put all kinds of universal content on it. <laughs> and that, my friends, is why Chris should be in the PR department for Sony. Because <laughs> seriously, if you're going to call your media format universal, it darn well better work for more than one device. This, this is just a personal bone I have to pick with, with Sony in general. Sony is known for making proprietary, uh, inputs and, and, and connectors and, uh, and, and cartridges and everything like that. Anything that could theoretically be proprietary. Like a memory stick? Like a memory stick, yes. Or the exactly. connectors for the uh the power adapters. Right. Well but you know the the one nice thing is that their USB connector for a computer is actually the mini USB. Mm-hmm. So it it is the one thing that the PSP has that's standardized. Everything else is a proprietary format from Sony. Uh, Sony tends to do this a lot with its electronics. I, I had a Sony camera. Actually, I still have the Sony camera that I was talking about. That uh, uh, I, I lost the USB cable for that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, as soon as I took a look at it, I'm like, oh, well, I've got other USB cables. And I looked at them. Oh, wait, this is a Sony one. And sure enough, it has one of those specific proprietary connectors you have to have in order to, to plug it into the, the camera. Um, gets really, really irritating. However... Uh, that's, that's really neither here nor there. I was just wanted to point that out as something that was really bizarre to me to see something called a universal media disc and yet it only works for one particular device. Well, on the other hand, you've got, uh, Sony's proprietary nature also gives you an advantage in some other departments because you, with the, the PSP, you have the ability to take, uh, proprietary Sony f- game franchises like, you know, Gran Turismo and Ratchet and Clank. Sure. On the sure. go with you. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. So it's, you know, you're not going to find those titles available for other gaming systems. And some other things we should point out that the PSP is able to do. You can use a, uh, 
you can use cables to hook your PSP up to a television and actually view content from your PSP mm-hmm. on your television, which mm-hmm. is that's kind of interesting. Um, uh, not everything is going to be full screen. It all depends on the particular uh, application you're running. Mm-hmm. Um, there are also we should mention there are multiple generations of PSPs out there. They're not all. It, it's not just one unit that that has been on sale since it debuted in, I think, 2004. Yeah, and it uh, actually started in 2004 in Japan mm-hmm. and made its way to the shores of the United States in spring of 2005. Okay. And um, that would be the, the very, very first model. Right, um, yeah. And uh, back back when it first debuted, just to give you an idea, this is, this is something I think is usually a mistake for a game company. Um, okay. Debuting any kind of game console with only a few titles I think is a bad idea it's always a better idea to have as many titles as you possibly can upon launch or shortly after launch otherwise uh, gamers can lose interest very quickly and I think when it first launched there were something like six titles in Japan mm-hmm. and it wasn't until by the time we got to the United States it, there were many more there was closer to maybe 30 or whatever which I think is a much more healthy number yeah well people were saying the same thing about the launch of the Nintendo Wii that's true when it first came out because mm-hmm. there were I mean there were there were more than that but uh, you know it wasn't exactly overrun with 200 titles when it started and I, I it made people arg- a little ner- I nervous that, I think that argument holds water too because as we see the the one of the main complaints about the Wii is still the lack of compelling games mm-hmm. so uh, that's that's been a problem that's haunted Nintendo for a while. Although it's not really hurt Wii sales, there was that one month when uh, PlayStation Three sales overtook the Wii. But that was a combination of uh, several things. For one, the Wii had been on sale forever, and the PS Three had just had a massive price cut. Uh, and then, of course, in November of two thousand nine, Wii sales picked up again mm-hmm. during the holiday season. So yeah. it, it you know it just took kind of a, a temporary breather. Uh, getting back to the PSP, they uh, we were talking about the different generations. So there's uh they they gen- they designate these by numbers. Um, mm-hmm. one thousand the PSP one thousand is the first generation, correct? Uh, as far as I know, yeah. I haven't actually seen it labeled that way. Yeah. But, um, but the PSP two thousand came out. It was the next version, and it mm-hmm. came out in uh, I believe two thousand seven. Right, and this was slightly slimmer and um, lighter, lighter. And uh, then you have the PSP 3000, which came out in 2008. That's got that was even slimmer. And also, one of the ways they managed to make it slimmer was this is this is what I thought was interesting. They managed to reduce the size of the battery, mm-hmm. which allowed them to make the case slimmer. And it also meant the battery was less powerful. However, they also made the system itself more efficient. So even though the battery didn't have as much of a charge in it as previous batteries, mm-hmm. because the system itself was more efficient, you still had about the same amount of battery life as you had before. Okay. Well, I, I, if what I'm reading is correct, um, I learned that there are you have options in that regard. You can opt for a thicker battery pack, which gives you more life. That's true. Uh, of course, you know that's also going to give you back some of the weight that you gave up right. when you bought one of the newer. PSP models. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I understand, too, uh, the systems became a little speedier. Yeah. Uh, the, the PSP 2000 and then 3000, um, they improved the processor speed, although it sort of depended on what game you were playing as to uh, how fast it would access. And the UM, uh, UMD is also known to be sort of a pokey format. Yeah, it does it's take not, a little longer to load up a game than it would on, a, say, a cartridge-based or... or uh 
system. Actually, that's been a problem for a lot of gaming systems, not just portable ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any gaming system that uses discs rather than cartridges tends to have uh, more of more loading times Mm -hmm. that you have to endure. Um, The cartridges tend to be pretty much instantaneous, and the the anything that's on a disc, it just takes time for the laser to find the right information to read it, and then there's a little buffering period while the Processor gets up to speed. I mean, it's it's kind of unavoidable right now. Um, the the technology is just not fast enough for it to be instant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, we as human beings used used to living in the digital age, we want our gratification as fast as possible. Gosh darn it! That's true. I mean, nobody really wants to be sitting around waiting. Anyway, um, <laughs> so. Well, I was going to say, I'm sorry, one other thing about the processor speed you were mentioning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I had heard, this is is something I need to verify, actually. This is one of those things that I read once and I'd have to really research to make sure. But I had heard one reason why the the later models of the PSP are faster. It's not actually necessarily an improved processor. It's that that Sony specifically limited the speed on the processor. Mm -hmm. It was... um, it was able to to uh, go at least 333 megahertz. Yes. But they had lowered that to around 220 megahertz hmm. uh, on purpose. And and then so essentially they then removed that limitation later on in the life of the PSP, which effectively made it a faster machine, even though it was oh. really just going at the speed it could always go. So it's sort of, uh, if you'll pardon the sports analogy here, uh, sort of like a restrictor plate on NASCAR racing where they actually, you know, do something to keep the engine from pushing the car forward at a faster rate. They they basically put a restrictor on the processor speed of the earlier machines I, to keep them from hitting their actual I clock w- speed. I want to say yes. Okay. But well, you're talking foreign talk to me now. All right. Well, as far as the universal media discs, yes. discs go, um, we do have an article about uh, how the PSP works mm-hmm. on the website. That's true. And Ed um, Grabinowski. Yes, um, who's a fine, fine writer. Yes, he is. Um, he, uh, from what from what he wrote in that article, um, Sony chose that particular format because it would hold 1.8 gigs of information, and uh, you know it's able to be manufactured very quickly and for a lower cost, which was the advantage of it. Now, obviously, um, if you look at the PSP Go, uh, the point that you made earlier about how. Um, uh, Flash memory can be a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, they, they switch. There is no UMD in the PSP Go. Yes, that's the latest uh, model to come out of Sony. And it's it's running concurrently mm-hmm. with the PSP 3000. So you can still get either the PSP 3000, which still runs on the disks, the UMDs, or you can get the PSP Go, which uh, does not have a slot for UMDs. You, the only way you get in, uh, games on that, content on that, is to download it and mm-hmm. to transfer it either by memory stick, uh, by USB cable, or wirelessly. It mm-hmm. actually has all these PSP products, by the way, are also have uh, wireless um, capability so that you can play games with friends without having to hook up cables between the two. You can even use it to make Skype calls yes, on you your can. PSP, which is pretty darn cool. It is very cool. Um, now, the PSP Go, since they got rid of the UMD option, they started to run into a little bit the, – the, it's had a rocky launch. It it's has. It's had a rough couple of months. The system itself is very sleek looking. Uh, when you first look at it, you think, oh, wow, they must have gone to a touchscreen display because – there are no controls that I can see. 
Yes. Um, the first ones, if you haven't actually seen a PlayStation Portable, um, when you look at it, it is sort of, um, sort of like what they call the candy bar phones. They're yes. very long and the screen is in the center with controls on either side of it. Mm-hmm. But the PSP Go is a departure from that form factor. Right. So the controls on your regular PSP very much look like the controls on a, uh, on a PlayStation controller. Yeah. You know, you've got the, the basic buttons, the triangle and the X and the square and the circle. Mm-hmm. And you've got the direction pad and a, even a little analog joystick, um, in the lower left hand corner. Uh, now the PSP Go, when you first look at it, it looks like there are no controls on it whatsoever. But in actuality, there is a slide out section that you can, uh, you know, you slide out from beneath the, the screen. And that's where all the controls are. So, you know, it, it looks really compact and sleek when it's all, when it's all closed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess ideally, uh, the, you would be able to just uh, slide it in whenever you were maybe watching media, like if you're watching a movie or something sure. and you didn't need the controls, you might just you know close it up. Otherwise, I can't really under I don't really understand the design behind that. I don't know why Sony would have gone with that particular design. Um, it's it's fun. It's fun. I mean, but, you know, people. You know, it, I think it, it's a, there's a tactile um, pleasantness about something that slides out. I suppose so because I do I do occasionally mess with my HTC G1, which also has a slide out keyboard, yeah. and so I I can't deny there is a satisfying click when you uh, slide yeah. the screen out of the way. Um, it just seems odd because it does make the device thicker than it would have to be. True, because you have that. I'm I'm sorry, you have that extra um, layer. Yeah, and another disadvantage, or or let me say this, another complaint that I've read and and doing research for the podcast is that. Uh, it seems to be made for people with smaller hands because it is a smaller device. Right. As a matter of fact, the screen is smaller and, uh, but although it maintains the same resolution. Right. Um, so, uh, it, it seems to be, uh, more appropriate for people with smaller hands. People with bigger hands have trouble playing with the, uh, the PSP Go, or at least as far as I've read. Right. And there's been, some other problems. One of the problems was that when it launched again, they did not have that many games available for the PSP Go. Uh, now, ideally, whenever you would get a system like this, you would be able to make old games available via download as quickly as possible. So you'd have access to the the library of games that already exist for the PSP. Yeah, it's not like you can go to a uh, your local used game store right. and buy games for it because the UMDs are not going to work with the right. PSP. This is very clever on Sony's part, by the way, because yeah. it means that they are going to get a lot more first sales and then they don't have to worry about people selling their games to other players. Yeah. Um, but it also means that uh the the other thing that the the promise that that Sony PSP Go owners kind of had was that when a new game came out it was going to come out in uh the PSP Go format as well as the regular PSP format mm-hmm. pretty much at the same time so ideally if you were really anticipating a certain game you would be able to get it on your PSP Go before your buddy could get go to the store pick it up come back and start playing so you could have bragging rights oh you know i've been playing this for 45 minutes while you went out to go and buy the physical copy mm-hmm. but in several cases sony has released games where the PSP Go version was not ready and so the physical format came out and the PSP Go version did not come out and so then you had all the people who had the old PSP saying i don't know why you wasted your money on that new device because my old one i can play this game and you still have to wait mm-hmm. so that's been kind of a black eye another one is that there was talk for a while of a UMD exchange program where if you had a UMD for a game for your old PSP 
and you now have the PSP Go, you could start to turn in your old UMDs to get either credit or some other kind of game in exchange or even the same game in exchange for the PSP Go. Mm-hmm. And the idea being that, well, if you hand over the physical media back to Sony, they should there shouldn't be an issue there. They'd be like, all right, sure, here's your game. But that hasn't happened either, even though Sony originally said they were going to make plans for it. That's still in the, oh, we're making plans phase. And meanwhile, the device has been out for a couple of months. Right. So. Right. It's a, uh, yeah, from what I, from what I understand, there just hasn't been any real, you know, communication from Sony other than the, oh, well, you know, it's coming. This is what we're going to yeah. do. Yeah. The, there, there've been a lot of, uh, there's been some grumbling. Now, granted, mm-hmm. things have been getting better as, Time has gone on. You know, more games have come out for the go. Um, it's still one of those systems that I think most uh, most gamer reviewer types would say, let's wait a little longer before you dive in and buy one of these things because mm-hmm. uh, you, if you can get the same experience on a on a PSP three thousand and it's cheaper than the PSP Go, and there's no other like clear advantage to owning a PSP Go, why would you go and buy one? Yeah. You know, go ahead and stick with the other current model that is still supported. Games are still coming out for it. Mm -hmm. The same games that are coming out for the PSP Go. It's not like PSP Go has a ton of exclusive content. Mm -hmm. So stick with that and you're going to save money and, you know, you're not going to have these same kind of headaches that a lot of the PSP Go early adopters have experienced. Right. Um, I do think that it's going to continue to get better for PSP Go owners. Do not despair if you went out and bought a PSP Go. It just, it's just going to take a while. I don't think Sony had all their ducks in a row when they launched the product, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, it's, um, I'm interested too whether or not they're going to continue with the original PSP form factor now that the Go has been launched. Well, we've heard some rumors. Mm -hmm. There are rumors of a new device in the PSP line. That would still use the UMDs and it would be called the PSP 4000, keeping in with the trend. Uh, so far this is just in the rumor phase. Uh, at the time that we're recording this podcast, there's a, a fairly recent rumor that came out, uh, that kind of fueled this, that, uh, a, a, an accessory for a game, Little Big Planet actually was the game mm-hmm. for, uh, the PSP, uh, had on its packaging um, a little label saying that there was support for the PSP 4000, which, as we, again, at the time of recording this podcast, does not officially exist. Mm-hmm. So some people were wondering if this was perhaps an, a leak, an accidental leak that indicates that, yes, Sony does have a new device planned and has told developers but has not revealed it to the public. Uh, since then, the manufacturer has said, no, this was a mistake. Don't draw any conclusions. Um, so we don't know right now for sure if this was just simply a typo where someone was typing in okay well we support the PSP 1000 2000 3000 is there 4000 I don't know better put it in okay <laughs> or if it was this 1000 2000 3000 4000 oh crap they haven't announced the 4000 yet we're not really sure um, I wouldn't draw too many conclusions about this uh, I, I think I mean if there is a 4000 coming out I don't know when Sony would announce it I mean normally you use Things like E3, that's when they announced the PSP Go. Yes. Uh, you would use an event like that to announce a new product, but that's not until next June, so. Yes, and you wouldn't want to sabotage your holiday sales. No. Um, you know, by doing that. But again, they're selling the PSP 3000 concurrently with the PSP Go, so, uh, they're already kind of sabotaging their own sales. Well, the other thing to consider too is that the, um, while the original PSP came out in 2005, 
um, the, the successive versions of that have been coming out about every year That's for the true. last couple of years. So, so, so it they, wouldn't be a know. surprise to see the 4000 at E3 this year. No. Uh, I mean, they've been making essentially incremental improvements right. on the original design. Better battery life, yeah. better video performance. So Although it, I, I've heard that some of the things they did for the screen recently just made it uh, a little more jagged. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a PSP 3000, so I can't really make that that statement from first-hand experience. That was just from a review I read. I covet them when I see them. They're, I do. Uh, they're nice machines. I do. Yeah, I haven't worked up the nerve to actually mug someone for one, <laughs> but, you know. But yeah, it's on the list. And the, something else we should point out just very quickly before we wrap up. We're, yes. we're running out of time here, but mm-hmm. uh, interestingly, one of the, maybe one of the reasons why the PSP Go came out, actually, uh, Sony has a new a new competitor, not just Nintendo. There's mm-hmm. a new competitor on the scene, and that would be Apple. Yes. The iPhone and iPod Touch have become legitimate gaming platforms. And these these little games that are coming out for both the iPhone and the iPod Touch that are going for, you know, maybe just a few dollars a pop are posing a legitimate threat to other handheld gaming devices, which, you know, traditionally their games are in the 20 to $30 range. Yes, and with the... Uh the additional application source with the Apple App Store model, other uh, providers are starting to get on board with that too. Uh, and I have the feeling that smartphones in general from all kinds of providers are going to be com- competition for the dedicated um, gaming devices. Nintendo probably being the one in the most jeopardy because it does, it is more geared specifically toward gaming. The PSP is more flexible, which gives you an opportunity to, uh, to enjoy that. But the thing is, um, you're right, because a lot of the games that I've seen uh, running 30 and $40 for the dedicated gaming platforms are $10 and less in the Apple App Store. Right. So that might be a reason for the PSP Go as well as a way for Sony to kind of develop a, 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 a gaming system that will have its own exclusive games that you won't find on the PSP 3000 or on UMD format. Uh, but they're just going to go for for a lower price and be more competitive with the iPhone and iPod Touch games. And then, of course, there's the uh, as we talked about with the Zune, uh, Microsoft not giving phone features to the Zune. It's possible. I mean, Sony has the partnership with Ericsson, but I don't know that you'll see the two yeah. converge much. Well, I think I think the problem with that is you would, especially when you look at the form factor. You know what happens when you th- put an actual phone in the PSP? Yeah, you get the engage. And that thing was awful. Well, you know, Nokia also has a its own app store working up. So yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, so that that's kind of our our take on the PSP. It's a a nifty gaming system. I mean, it really it's it packs a big wallop in a small package. And uh, I've been nice really machine. impressed by the games that I've played on it. Um, I think uh, I think I think it's a, a really decent system. I I would. Not hesitate to go out and buy one myself if I mm-hmm. didn't have a wife who would slap me upside the head if I went and bought another gaming system. Well, you know, it is not now that they have the PS3 Slim. It's not that much less I've than been the PlayStation con- 3. I've been trying to convince her that the PlayStation 3 is actually a Blu-ray player and that that's why we should get one. <laughs> so far, she ain't buying because unfortunately <laughs> for me, I married a very smart woman. Uh All right. Well, that wraps that up. So why don't we, uh, why don't we finish this podcast with a little more? Listener mail. 
This listener mail comes from Brian, and Brian says, Hey guys, I've been a long-time listener, and I just wanted to say that I really enjoyed the Electronics Theory podcast. I really got a lot out of it. Keep them coming. I hope your head healed quickly, Jonathan. Well, thanks, Brian. Yes, my head did heal quickly. The scar is almost completely gone. Uh, I, I appreciate the, the concern. Yeah, I shave my head, and occasionally I take a chunk out of it. Um, you know, it's just a self-loathing thing. I'm working through it. I'm seeing someone about it. Uh, anyway, I thought... I think he was actually talking about how you said your head was going to explode at the end of that podcast. Oh, did it? Yes. Did I? Oh, well, that, unfortunately, I'm still recovering from. <laughs> um, yeah, some, some wounds never heal, Brian. Some wounds never heal. So, with that, let's wrap up another episode of Tech Stuff. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. We do have a great article, as Chris said, on the site written by Ed Grabanowski about how the PSP works. I recommend you go and check that out. We have lots of other articles about other video game systems. So uh, head on over to HowStuffWorks.com. Take a look at those. Remember, Chris and I do a live show every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find out about that at the Tech Stuff blog. Just go to the website. You'll see the blog links on the right-hand side. Or you can go to blogs.HowStuffWorks.com if you want to take the direct route. And uh, remember, if you want to send us any email for suggestions, questions, anything like that, our address is techstuff at HowStuffWorks.com. Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.